Ticket City presents why you go to see the Red Raiders. So this was the moment in tech sports, and I was a senior in high school at the time, and I remember wanting to go to the game, but I couldn't because I had to work a shift. When my shift ended, me and my coworkers just turned on the radio, and we all hung around my truck, and all of a sudden we heard the roar of the crowd, so we knew something happened, and then we heard the famous call on the radio of Crabtree scoring to beat UT. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit LubbockOnline.com slash sports and click tickets. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor here at the newspaper, joined alongside by Don Williams, who's Checking out his iPhone, original iPhone, getting a bunch of texts and tweets. Uh, it's been a little bit of time, Don, since we've kind of done one of these deals. We're going to do it on the video, as you can see here. Of course, on Facebook Live, you can ask us all the questions right here, right under us. So, of course, you can kind of get all that information along with some other things as well. Uh, anything you got uh, that you've kind of seen or anything interesting happened last week, Don? Well, um, within the past week, we've seen uh, – actually, since the last time we've done this was – Last time we did this was about right before the regular season finale, right? So uh, since since last we spoke, Cliff Kingsbury dismissed his head coach. Matt Wills hired his head coach, and um, looks like about seven assistant coaches in place now for the mm-hmm. seven assistant coaches in place now for the Red Raiders. And I guess for folks just joining us, they're actually uh, this afternoon announcing some hires officially. And we saw at our news conference on Saturday where Matt Wills was introduced. Um, his offense coordinator, David Yost, was there, and his defense coordinator, Keith Patterson, was there. And Matt Wells also announced that his head strength and conditioning coach, um, Dave Scholes, who had that position at Utah State, would have the same position at Texas Tech. So he kind of knew three pieces to the puzzle of his staff. And then just this afternoon, Tech is actually in the process of announcing more hires and making them official. You have the new outside receivers coach will be Jovan Bonite, who is mm-hmm. the outside receivers coach at Utah State. Yep. The new uh, offensive line coach is Steve Farmer, who is the offensive line coach at Utah State. The new running backs coach is DeAndre Smith, who was the you're going to notice pattern here running backs coach at Utah State. Yep. And maybe even by the time we get – maybe even before we're done here, I expect one or two more coaches from Utah State to be officially announced. Expect to hear that uh, Luke Wells will be the tight end slash inside receivers coach. He's already changed his Twitter profile to say he's tight yeah. ends inside receivers coach mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. And expect the defensive backs coach to be Julius Brown, who – has not yet been announced, but he also has changed his Twitter profile to say DB's coach at Texas Tech. Yep, so. and he also has all the other information as well, the Texas Tech uh, stadium and kind of all the other things that the coaches have done as well. So that would be seven assistants then in place. And uh, the yeah, NCAA 10 total. now allows ten total. So all that would be remaining after with each of those guys I just named would be somebody to coach the defensive line, somebody to coach the linebackers, and somebody to coach the special teams. And there was a report, footballscoop.com reported about a week ago that um, Matt Wells had made an offer to and was waiting word back from uh, 
Coach Tomerdahl up at Purdue, uh, who is uh, the Boilermakers special teams coach, and Tomerdahl's a guy who um, is real, real, very well known in the profession. He's coached for 34 years. I remember mm-hmm. when he was at TCU, I believe, with Dennis Franchoni, and then uh, that was 98 to 2000, and then he went to Texas A&M from 03 to 07. And he's got special teams for 23 years, so uh, remains to be seen whether that will happen. But, um, you know, it's actually uh, a lot of these hires have fallen into place pretty quick. And I guess it's kind of been simplified because Matt West clearly, uh, from the jump, wanted to bring most of his staff with him from Utah State. And that is, in fact, what has materialized and... uh, and actually, I'm just getting word now that uh, Texas Tech has, in fact, just officially announced Julius Brown as the defensive backs coach. So he goes from Utah State defensive backs coach to uh, Texas Tech defensive backs coach. And uh, I guess while, while you're pecking away on the laptop, uh, I will uh, I will get to some questions from Twitter, Carlos. Uh, Robert says, Robert says, and Robert kind of, I think, speaks for a lot of people when he says, yep. very disappointed that Emmett Jones didn't make the cut. He is a great recruiter. Uh, any ideas if Matt will hire a couple of Texas high school football coaches? I think he needs some, quote, local coaches to round out his staff. Cliff made a mistake by not hiring any. Um, I, don't know exactly, I, don't, I don't know exactly what the plans are other than what uh, you know, Matt Will said in his press conference on Saturday. He's recruited the loans. He's recruited Texas yeah. a bunch personally. His brother has recruited Texas a bunch. Yep. <laughs> and he said he's going to be hiring coaches who have recruited Texas a lot. Uh, you know, Keith Patterson is a Texas guy who coached Texas high school football. And to me, I, I think this is uh, – I think it's a little bit of one of the maybe overblown concerns uh, that, we, that we've heard about Matt Wells in the first, pe- or first week. A lot of people looked at, looked at Matt Wells' resume, looked at his coach's resume, didn't see a lot of obvious Texas connections. But to me, I think you can – you're either a recruiter or you're not. Well, here's and, my, and well, if you're, you, you can be yeah. from Texas, and if you're not a great recruiter, it doesn't matter. And you can come from outside of Texas, and if you do have a talent for recruiting, you're you're going to be effective pretty quickly. And I, I guess I tie it back to, you know, Mike Leach is not a Texas guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, had very had, didn't have a whole lot of experience in Texas. That recruited well during the Mike Leach era. Cliff Kingsbury is a Texas guy. Had a lot of. Uh, be, you know, had guys like Kevin Curtis and yep. Sonny Cumbie and, and Jones. Morris and and those guys on yep. staff early on. He had a lot of Texas connections on staff early on. That didn't re- lead to great recruiting and player development. And I thought I thought it was, it was interesting. Also, you had uh, Wes Welker gave a big endorsement yep. of Matt Wells today. Mm-hmm. He's, Wes posted a statement on Twitter that said that reminded us that Wes that Matt Wells recruited Wes when Matt was at Navy. And, you do rem- and I do remember that that was one of the couple of, couple of mm-hmm. kind of offers that, that Wes had and said he was seriously considering going to Navy. And he said, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but basically Wes said, uh, great guy, and, and said a hell of a recruiter. Matt yeah. Wells was. I, said, I think he kind of has that personality that's going to work well within well, – uh, well, in the living rooms. Well, here's my question for you, Don. I know you kind of already addressed that a little bit. I know 
One of the concerns with people when you get someone from Utah State, they think, well, he's not from Texas. He's not recruiting from Texas. I know you kind of already brought those kind of things to light here. Just because you don't come from Texas doesn't mean that you haven't recruited from Texas, which I know he brought that up. I know uh, uh, Kirby Hoka, the athletic director for Texas Tech, brought up the fact that he had some relationships already with some of the players on the team because they did recruit some of them. David Yost uh, being one of them uh, who he spoke to. He's obviously a fan of your Twitter feed. He was following you for a little bit. But uh, he worked at Alan Bowman a couple times when he was at Grapevine. Yes, uh, it may not have been the relationship that maybe Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury had with him, but the fact that he's aware, the fact that uh, Alan Bowman is aware of David Yost and kind of all the things that he's done putting some quarterbacks into the NFL. I think that's something else that we can kind of talk about is, and and maybe we can kind of discuss this as we kind of get through some of these questions as well. We appreciate y'all getting to these uh, comments and questions. We'll do it as quick as we can, but just to kind of start a discussion here, Don, the fact that Matt Wells was able to already have his offensive and defensive coordinator, of course, today's kind of the kind of the big news dump, so to speak. All the assistants are kind of getting their names out there. But how big is it just from a recruiting standpoint? I know that's something that we brought up throughout this process was you have to be so quick to get a coach, especially with this early signing day. Kirby Hoka kind of mentioned he wanted to try and do it as quick as he could, obviously, doing uh, his due diligence uh, along those lines. But the fact that you're able to get those guys in place, how important is that? It didn't hurt. I, I don't know that it's essential because I think it's more important that you uh, get a staff that you, you get a staff that works, that works well together and that you believe in. And if that takes time, I think uh, it, I, I think you take as much time as you need to make sure you have the right guys in place. And if that means it costs you a few recruits on the front end, then you live with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what you have with Matt Wells is he, he has a staff of coaches that he believes in. You know, thing, things worked great for him this year. They went 10-2 and two and have a bowl game left. And um, so I feel – I think he's probably pretty confident in what he, in what he already has in place and said, I'm, I'm you know, willing to go with these guys. If it works, don't mess it up. And, you know, he – he said at the news at his news conference on Saturday that um, he has spent the majority of his career recruiting in Texas, and that's been backed up by Texas high school coaches who have vouched for his uh, presence mm-hmm. and and what they think of him. So, um, it, it I don't think it's essential that he has uh, the majority of his staff in place a week from. Uh, the day that he was hired, but um, you know it's, it's a nice bonus because, as you alluded to, the early signing period is coming up here two weeks from today is when yep. it starts, mm-hmm. the nineteenth, and so it helps him that you know you got seven guys in place that uh, can go out there on the road and uh, communicate who you are, uh, sell your vision to the guys who committed to Cliff Kingsbury staff, yeah, get those guys to stay with you. And then go pursue maybe some other players that uh, you know go go pursue some other players that maybe you were aware of at Utah State that you liked and thought were good athletes that uh, Texas Tech was not in on previously. Uh, question from and this is kind of a follow up is sure. uh, um, we were talking a moment ago about uh, about Emmett Jones. A lot of people distressed that mm-hmm. he was not retained and. Um, 
Well, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Chevy. It was Chevy who asked. Good, Dwight's uh, Facebook Live, Don. It's okay. And we're also on the podcast, too. So if you haven't heard us here, we'll uh, put the link up to Omni. And then, of course, you can listen to us, uh, whether you're at the gym or whatever else. And like I said, it's going to probably be a comprehensive podcast since we haven't kind of talked in a while. But uh, back to your Emmett Jones kind of comment and discussion here. Chevy asked, could uh, Matt Wells not hire Emmett Jones in a role strictly for recruiting? Um, the, the thing there is, I think, once, you, once you've been – let go. Yeah. Then, then basically, if you're in Emmett Jones' case, uh, you're looking for another opportunity in the profession. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think you're looking to take a reduced role on the Texas Tech staff. Yeah. And with that would also come a cut in pay. Yes. If you're Emmett Jones, your your position should be. I coached a guy who was a Blitnikoff Award semifinalist. Yep. Caught 88 passes for 1,400 yards. Had yep. one of the best had one of the best years receiving in Texas Tech history. I'm out here. Who wants me? Yeah. And so so he will have opportunities. I think pretty much that he, he he's not in a position where you would want to stay at Texas Tech in a reduced role and take a take a pay cut. Gotcha. Well, getting to some of the comments here on Facebook, because we actually have a ton. There's a lot of people on today. <laughs> I guess people want to kind of know about uh, all these here. Uh, assembly a great team. His brother seems to have good rapport with the coaches within the state. I think that's one of the other things that I've noticed on. Initially, when people saw this hire, of course, they were upset because they saw all the other names involved in the search, whether that be through the national media, all these other ones. Of course, we reported Matt Wells, Jim Levitt, and, of course, some of the others that we had as well on the candidate list. But I think once uh, maybe I guess some tech fans that maybe saw a familiar name in Dana Holgerson, I think that may have kind of – I don't know how it impacted the hire, but people just seemed very upset about it. But I think now that they've kind of heard Matt Wells in a press conference setting, they've kind of let it kind of uh, sink in, so to speak, a little bit. I think people are starting to turn around and they're just kind of just trying to support the program as is right now and just kind of see what Matt Wells is kind of about. I think some people are, but a lot of people are not because yeah. you know here the reality is Dana Holgerson wanted the job, yeah, and or at least or he wanted to he was certainly willing to consider the job. Yeah. we know that. Um, and Dana is a link to and as a long it was a long link, mm-hmm. uh, you know, eight years that he's on that Mike Leach staff, which people which people um, associate with a you know a heyday of Texas mm-hmm. Tech football. I think in, I'm not sure. I don't think Dana had the uh, image that Kirby really wanted. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Matt Wells is, is a lot more the image that Kirby likes and wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're in Kirby's position, you're probably looking for who is the guy who could become the next. Not not necessarily Dana Holgerson, but big name. Have that have that kind of level of success. Who's the next young? Who's the next young coach out there who can, as you said, become a big name? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Yeah. Came from Toledo, group of five coach. Mm-hmm. And now um, Iowa State football widely uh, praised and I think perceived as, uh, you know, a, a Really good football team, well-rounded, tough place to play. Well, not only that, but they just have a toughness to it, which is one thing that you're kind of hearing with Matt Wells is that toughness. And I don't know if maybe that's something that Kirby was looking for with Matt Wells. And just to kind of play off that, but obviously everyone upset about that. But here's the thing. David Yost was with Mike Leach, so he's at least aware of some of the concepts that he has. Certainly still has 
a up-tempo type offense that can go fast, can still be the air raid, so to speak, if you want to call it that. I mean, obviously it's a different version of it, but it's still that fast-paced, high-scoring offense. Well, I, I, I expect David I expect David Yost's offense to look a lot like what the offense that Missouri ran because okay. that's where David Yost and, – and there's similarities, but that's where David Yost's uh, – Oh, by far the largest majority of his coaching career was with Gary Pinkle. You know, he had those six years at Toledo from 94, actually I guess seven years at Toledo, 94 through 2000, and then 12 seasons at Missouri from 01 to 2012. And uh, when, when David Yosef describing it the other day for us during his news conference, you know, he talked about how this year at Utah State they had uh, they ran out of eleven personnel ninety six percent of the time. Ninety six percent of the time they operated with three receivers, mm-hmm. a tight end, and a running back. And Something you haven't heard to, in a while—the tight end. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing, though: if you think back to Missouri, that that's a program that had uh, a John Mackey Award winner and Chase yep. Kaufman, and they had. Uh, his first name is slipping my mind now, but Ruck, Ruck, Martin Rucker, I think, that was an All-American. They had outstanding tight ends at Missouri when David Yost was there. Um, and so he made it very clear that uh, they're going to keep the they're going to keep the tight ends that are here, and they're going to look for more tight ends in recruiting. That, that is an essential piece of what they do offensively. They like guys who can catch the catch the ball out of that position, but they also like to be able to, if they're five guys, you know, be able to block six on five yeah. and give you an advantage in the run game. Mm-hmm. And then he also described, as you alluded to, the the hurry-up offense. He yep. said, uh, I think it was this year, he said that they ran, this year, maybe last year, they ran 60 to 62% of the time yeah. in that, at that up-tempo pace. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the last same year, it's around fifty percent. Yeah, and and he said it's several plays. It's not every play that they do. They just have a certain amount of plays that they like to run that they can execute at a high level to take a term. That and and I, and I was going to say yeah. I, I, when he was describing that, I remember it distinctly because I remember covering some of those Missouri Texas Tech games, particularly yeah. some of those where Missouri really wore out the Red Raiders. Yeah. Like uh, 07 is forty one to ten up there. Mm-hmm. 03 it was sixty two to thirty one. And I remember those stretches where they would be they would be going at uh, a, a pretty good but not a breakneck pace. Yeah. And then they would go into that tempo where it'd just be bang, 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 bang. Yeah. On the ball, snap it, run something. On the ball, snap it, run something. Mm-hmm. You can barely keep up with yeah. In your notepad, the play-by-play. Play. And you have the same personnel, as you mentioned, the 11-man personnel, where, yes, you have that tight end, but you can use them, obviously, in the slot. You can kind of put them on the line. You can put them in an H-back position to help you with the run game. Those guys that they had, the really good guys that they had, were in that 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six range, and about yep. 240 to 250. Yep. You, you know, tall, big target, athletic guys. And if they uh, don't work out, you can make them O-linemen. Well, I don't think that well, I don't think that's going to be their plan. Undersized, undersized. They're, 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 they're going to want to see guys. They yeah. want guys who can who can catch the ball out of that position, but also give you a uh, uh, be effective blocking in the run game. Yeah, uh, to kind of maybe kind of kill a, a couple birds of one stone here, Don. A lot of people talking about Patterson, uh, of course, Kevin Patterson, the defensive Keith. coordinator. Or, pardon me, Keith. I'm thinking of another person. Apologize, Keith Patterson. Uh, not seen much success at other stops, West Virginia, Arizona. What should our expectations be given 
will he be inheriting a team that doesn't play his system? And then uh, second to that, uh, same thing, Gilbert saying, uh, not sure on Patterson. Defenses weren't good at West Virginia and Arizona State. So I guess a two-parter here, uh, people not seeing previous success with Patterson. And number two, is he going to have a similar defense, which um, I can answer that no. There's obviously going to be a little bit of a difference. Well, I, th- I think there's, I there's going to be a lot of similarities because, yeah. you know, really at this year Tech, they – you know, it was basically a three. It was three, uh, three guys in the front, three linebackers. It was three guys in the front. It was three linebackers and it was five DBs. And that's really what Keith Patterson described the other yeah. day. Is there are three three linemen, three down guys, three linebackers, a hybrid guy, four DBs. The high, The interesting thing is this hybrid guy. He said at times it's been a cornerback. At other times it's been a guy who has more safety skills. And he said there's even been, you know, there's a season or two there where they had uh, West Virginia guys listed 6'3", 222 pounds. He yeah. was more of a linebacker-looking guy that they played at, uh, that they played in the hybrid position. And he also said that they would have a uh, position that he, he calls the Raider. Now, when, 20 years ago when Tech had the Raider, it was really a, it was a safety outside linebacker. Marcus Coleman played it. And it was uh, – more of a DB size guy that played that position. His Raider, from what he described the other day, is, it looks like it's going to be that position kind of that Colin Hill and Tony Jones played yeah. um, this year for Tech. It's, it's, kind, it's kind of a it's kind of a combination rush guy, and he said about forty percent actual down defensive lineman guy. In terms of though uh, Keith Patterson's track record. He has had a lot of defenses that have rated uh, pretty far down. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that a concern? Yeah. Uh, I think what it indicates, though, is he's a guy who, in Power Five football, there are a lot of there are a lot of defensive coaches who who know what they're doing, who have good ideas, and simply don't have the personnel to stack up against the spread passing games that you see over the last. 10, 15 years, and he suffered there at West Virginia a couple of years, and the four years that he was there at Arizona State, mm-hmm. you know, facing some of the good passing offenses in the Pac-12. Well, that's the thing, so, too. I mean, you're facing some pretty good passing offenses. So here's the thing. I mean, he has, does he have to prove himself? Yeah. I, I think, though, his um, his track record, though, is you, you look at – He's been a lot of places. He's coached at some pretty big programs. We're mm-hmm. talking about West Virginia and Arizona State. Um, so there are coaches who believe in him, coaches who have hired him and kept him on staff. I mean, worked for Dana Holgerson, worked for worked for Todd Graham. Those are some pretty respective head head coaches in the position. So I think he I think he knows what he's doing. What he needs probably is uh, is better players. Like, like a lot of defensive yeah. coaches this day and age. Speaking of players, uh, people asking uh, how many commitments uh, Texas Tech currently has and how many have currently decommitted. Well, I think the one important or maybe two important ones that at least we know of, Alan Bowman is coming back. That's kind of big. We're talking about the recruiting class. Yeah, right? yeah, the recruiting class. Which I mean, it was before when, when Cliff Kingsbury, before Cliff Kingsbury was fired, the number was 19. Yeah. And then there have been five, five players who have – Decommitted or said they're going to reconsider their options since mm-hmm. then. So I believe the number of commitments now is at 14. Yeah, it should be at 14 with uh, Markel Reed. Uh, Maverick McIver, of course, at San Angelo Central. Stephen Parker out of South Oak Cliff. 
uh, Keon Stewart from Galena North Park, uh, or North Shore, pardon me, not North Park, North Shore, and I am I remember the, the I remember the same four, and I can't remember the yeah. same one. You can't remember. And, and I'm trying to I think, find I think it right it's, now. I think it's Maverick McIver, the quarterback, decommitted. Yes. Stephen Parker, defensive end, decommitted, yep. and, th- and three defensive backs. Yes. Reed from Temple, Stewart from North Shore, and there are people yelling at the screen now. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm sure they are. But uh, biggest thing, like you said, obviously they're going to be looking for some different guys. Uh, Ventura Community College had a guy that uh, they're looking at, a tight end, just like you said, 6'5", 250, so a prototypical tight end that they are looking for. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Next question on that. Uh, So how many have decommitted? Like uh, you mentioned, uh, four. Just can't remember. Five. Oh, five. Pardon me. Yeah, four we can remember, and and the fifth, whose name is escaping. This is really killing me right now, but uh, we'll keep going on to the questions because people are really going pretty quick right now. Let's see here. Is Cliff taking any assistance to USC? Um, well, I wouldn't so much – you know, I, I'm not sure that's so much Cliff's call as the head coach's call. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many uh, – uh, I'm not sure how many staff members they – what kind of staff turnover they've had. Other I than believe they need two. Offensive I think coordinator. they have two right now, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Next question, how much time will Coach Wells be given to make Tech, quote-unquote, elite? He obviously has a six-year contract. I I think that's one thing that I've heard from some people that have spoken to me is why did he give him a six-year contract right now? Well, I think you you want to – I think you want to kind of end the, what, what you've been in for the last couple of years, which is uncertainty about your future. Yeah. Um, and in limbo. I mean, tech, really, since uh, since Tech walked off the field at Ames, Iowa, two years ago after that sixty-six to ten loss, you have spent two years in a position in which, for Kirby Hoka and the football program in general, it was constantly hanging over your head. What is the stability of the head coach of your football program, and how soon before before he's going to get fired, and how soon before this this ends? Yeah. And so I think um, Kirby went to completely get away from that mm-hmm. and send a message of stability. And I think the other thing is you had, in terms of why give him six years instead of five, I think you had the ability to probably maybe pay Matt Wells over six years, kind of what you were paying Cliff Kingsbury in five. Mm-hmm. Because Cliff Kingsbury's compensation was way up there. I yes. Mean, he made $3.7 million this year. He was going to make $3.9 million next year mm-hmm. and $4.1 million the year after that. And so I think, and we don't know this yet because uh, the, the Board of Regents will have to approve Matt Wells' contract. That won't happen until next week. Board of Regents. Next Thursday and Friday. They meet on, I think, the 13th and 14th. Mm-hmm. But my my guess is that Matt that that Tech probably is able to get Matt Wells for for a lower amount than what Cliff Kingsbury was making. Yep. And so your total cost over six years for Matt Wells again, just me, just me guessing. Yes. Kind of speculating here. Yes. I'm thinking your total cost over six years for Matt Wells might well be 
uh, no more than or even less than your total cost for Cliff over the last five. And the other thing, too, is obviously the assistant to salary. I know Kirby was asked that uh, when he had his media availability after hiring Matt Wells, if they would up that. Looking at the USA uh, Today uh, salary database, Texas Tech was ranked 47th in the country in terms of what they paid assistant coaches. So we'll see how that goes as well as you kind of mentioned that. Yeah, Kirby said that they want to make a commitment to pay the assistant coaches more. Yeah. You know what's, here's what's interesting about that is that um, Tech's salary pool, which is the amount that was allotted to pay assistant coaches this past year, mm-hmm. was $3.4 million. Of that $3.4 million, though, they didn't, they didn't use it all. Mm-hmm. They only used right at three million dollars, so there is actually about four hundred grand left on the table to pay assistant coaches. And um, so, while it looked maybe bad in print and in those rankings, and it clearly Tech is near the bottom. Yeah. Um, Tech could have paid assistant. The money was actually allocated, budgeted to pay assistant coaches more mm-hmm. than what Cliff Kingsbury actually used. Now you say, why? Why is that? Well, maybe it's because okay, you went for you try. Maybe you tried to hire. I would think this would be the case. You tried to hire somebody who was going to cost you more money. Who said no? Who said no? Nah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Maybe because the instability and, and the yeah. worry that t- Cliff would be fired after this season. Yeah. And so maybe it's because, okay, then you go a little bit down to a to your next choice on the list, and maybe you're able to get them. Maybe you're able to get them to join your staff um, for a lower amount. And as a person described it to me then, you know, then you're just being fiscally responsible. Yeah. Why pay somebody? Why, why use an extra four hundred thousand dollars if you can get the guys you want for three million dollars? Yeah. Total. And obviously, give yourself some wiggle room just in case you need something else. Exactly. For yes. other things as well. Just kind of going again. I apologize. I'm sure you have some stuff on the old iPhone right now, but uh, we have a question here wondering: Is eight and four realistic with Alan Bowman returning next year? That being a record. For Texas is eight and four realistic? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think your maybe your schedule might be a little bit more difficult next year because next year is the when you have the Oklahoma Texas road games. You do have UTEP on the schedule too. Rotation. Don't forget about them. There's an easy win. <laughs> sure. I would I would think eight and four is realistic because quite yeah. frankly I think this team should have achieved at a higher level this year. Yes. I, pre- I predicted this team would to be an eight and four seven and five team and they were close year. to that too you know they, they had lost, one uh, possession games they were pretty close you lost well you lost five games by single digits yeah so and you were close so that's the i mean that's the key can can matt wells get you over the hump uh in those games where cliff did i mean you yeah. lose uh, west virginia by eight points yeah you, you, you have the ball and a chance to tie mm-hmm. before jet duffy throws the, the interception uh you have you know, you lose to Oklahoma 51-46, five yep. points. You lose to Texas by seven, mm-hmm. giving up the touchdown pass. Well, that was a heck of a minute. catch, though. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's just one of those sometimes there's just a play that gets made that you just kind of get beat, and I think Texas just made a fantastic play in that game. You lose, you lose to Baylor by yep. – what was the final score? Oh man! I, I, Anyhow, I, I mean, yes, yes. I, I think I think eight and four, I think eight and four is realistic. I mean, here's considerations though. Uh, um, does Antoine Wesley come back, or does yeah. he decide to leave early for the NFL? If he leaves early for the NFL, 
then you're kind of back in a similar position. Then you're kind of back in the same position that you were going into this year, which is you don't have any proven receivers outside of T.J. Vasher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know a healthy Bowman. A healthy Bowman. Uh, if he starts Henry. 12, Twelve games. I mean, that, that's a concern. I mean, you, once again, you'll have. Uh, You'll have most all the offensive linebacks, just like you did this year, but it did not lead to a great rushing game over the last two months of the season. That was a problem for you. You got to replace Dakota Allen, and you got to replace all your safeties. Deshaun Johnson. You got to replace Johnson. You got to replace Dorsey. You got to replace John Bonney. Um, you do have back Thomas Leggett, who showed um, showed in special teams that he can be a playmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have back most everybody in the front seven outside of Dakota Allen. Mm-hmm. So it's still going to, for the second year in a row, you're going to have a pretty experienced team. I think the key is to be able to, you know, make the place in the fourth quarter that you didn't make to finish off games in a lot of these instances this year. 35-24 was that score for Baylor. Okay. So I said five single-digit yeah. losses by single digits. It probably what it was not five. Let's see here. Uh, will any of our new coaches coach Utah State in their bowl game? Uh, you know, I, I actually sent – I was trying to find that out. I'm not sure the answer Could, to that. Because I know – I can't remember which story wrote it, but Matt Wells said that they would stay heavily involved in the game planning aspect. Now, whether or not they'd coach, I'm not sure. I know they have an interim coach right now. They, they do have the interim head coach. The Utah State defensive line coach and co-DC is the interim head coach. Matt Wells did, of course, say at the press conference – did he say at the press conference? He did say that uh, – he wants to be – he's asked permission and wanted to be there. Yeah. He wants to be on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, good on his part. Yeah. Just Alma mater, on, yeah. Instead of just bailing yeah. on the team and saying, I'm out of here, guys. I got another yeah. job. See you. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, he wants to kind of see this thing through, through to the end with um, – see this thing through the, through the end with the guys they spent the last uh, – Six years with, and and has enjoyed a ten and two season with this year. Yeah, I could definitely see something uh, where, obviously, like you said, maybe they're maybe David Yost goes back because they need an offensive coordinator to kind of run that. But I think uh, it's certainly going to be a skeleton staff. As most times when that does happen, when you do have some coaching changes during a bowl game, you have a skeleton staff up until you kind of get everything else kind of set up. Uh, Question from Robert. Okay, let's see. Um, And I think this may have been similar to a question that was already asked, but are you concerned at all that so far all the assistants are from Utah State? I realize familiarity is good for coaching uh, all new players, but am a bit concerned about the lack of Texas high school coaches on staff so far. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, Don, early on when you talked about I don't think it's a big deal early on because here's the thing. is Familiarity is a big thing, but here's the other thing, too. If you keep some holdovers, what's to say that – Maybe a, a player goes back to a coach that's been there. If maybe they're getting coached too hard or getting coached a different way, you have that sense of at least stability, uh, consistency on a daily basis uh, from what Matt Wells talked about, coaching hard and loving hard. So they can kind of learn that from at least the offensive standpoint. Defensive, it will be interesting to see how that happens. But I, I think you can make up for the Texas ties because, as you said, a lot of these coaches have Texas ties originally uh, recruited some of these players during their time at Utah State, you can probably hire one or two Texas high school football coaches on those extra, extra uh, 
openings that you do have because you have 10 total. I believe they have seven, is that correct, assistants hired at seven this point? Now. Seven So, yeah, now, so you've got three left. Um, one potentially could be to the Purdue assistant that you talked about early on. And then, of course, you got two that can kind of work out however you're looking and seeing as, as they could be. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I think it's been made abundantly clear by Texas high school coaches that – they, they like, like him. They, that they like Matt Wells a lot yeah. and Luke Wells, and he's not a new face. He's someone that they know very well and have known very well for a yeah. long time. And I think the other advantage that you get in bringing in seven guys that are that are on your staff already that you've worked with all this season, and in most cases additional seasons before that, is you don't have to coach new coaches about what you want because when you assemble when you assemble a staff and you bring a guy from here and a guy from there and a guy from over there and two people from that you knew back, yeah. way back when then what you have to do is you have to spend an early you have to spend an early part of your tenure teaching those coaches how you want your system taught yeah if all your coaches are the guys who have already been with you you don't have to spend any time yeah. teaching your staff how you yeah. want your stuff taught. They already know. They've already been teaching it, and they've already had success with it this year. So that's actually, you know, that's in whatever you may be um, sacrifice with not as many Texas ties as some people want. Mm-hmm. You get the advantage of continu- staff continuity in that you can hit the ground running these guys. All these guys already know how to coach your system mm-hmm. because they've done it before. Now, I will say this. I know just to kind of counter to that Texas ties, I mean, Matt Rule had zero ties when he came here uh, to coach at Baylor. Obviously, a different situation altogether over there with the Bears, but he had no Texas ties, hired a couple Texas coaches, and now obviously he's kind of rolling, as everyone kind of knows. Baylor obviously won that last game. They're bowl eligible a year after they only won one game. So it just goes to show as long as you know how to coach, as long as you kind of teach what you want as your core principles, as you just kind of mentioned right now, I think that's the biggest thing is you want to set that culture that first year. And the best way to do that is with guys that you know. And that's the one thing that I think kind of really speaks volumes is a lot of these guys that Matt Wells is bringing along have been with him for multiple years it's not one of these one or two year deals they've been there six years seven years some even eight ten years that they've known each other back to the uh back to facebook will do how did the national media grade the matt wells hire i think uh, that was what uh, was frustrating for some fans many expected an elite or big name hire probably like we had mentioned before when you use the word elite people kind of just have this thing in their mind and i'm guessing if they don't get what they think they should get they get upset but reread the question please how did the national media grade the matt wells hires basically the question much better than texas tech fans grade yes the, uh, matt absolutely wells and, Here, uh, here's the reality there there's a there's a big dichotomy i don't know if dichotomy is the right word but there's a, there's a big diversion between how Texas tech fans graded the matt wells hire yes. and how national media made graded yeah. the matt wells hire national media by and large, thinks it's a great hire. Yeah, because he's huge a, hire. He's a, again, sharp guy, uh, uh, has had uh, three seasons with a lot of success at a place that had zero success for 30 years. Yep. And as, you know, and I think basically a lot of, not, a lot of national media thinks Texas Tech got Matt Wells before 
before other big programs could get him. I mean, yeah. he was kind of, he was talked about a lot uh, in the uh, in Colorado. Colorado, the Colorado target. Louisville, I believe, may have been in. And Louisville, exactly. Yes, you're right. Um, and so national media thinks real highly of uh, the Matt Wells hire. Uh, you know, I talked to the uh, director of the AFC, American yep. Football Coaches Association, Todd Berry, and I talked to an, uh, another person who's, who is a Utah State alum who watches Utah State football week in, week out, who knows Matt Wells. And I thought it was interesting when I asked both of them what Texas Tech was getting in Matt Wells, the very first thing that both, both of them said was they talked about how smart he is. Yeah, one Todd Berry said very cerebral, very deep think, very deep thinker, and the other individual who is the guy who knows Matt Wells and watches Utah State football every game said that uh, very very smart guy. He's always situ- aware situationally on the sidelines and aware of uh, rules and stuff that he needs to discuss with the, with the officials. He's, he's not taken aback or caught off guard by whatever situation comes up in a game. So seems like a guy is going to be very good at, at, in terms of game day, uh, you know, game day coaching, game day awareness of situations. This may be the last one uh, that we have, at least from Facebook. If you got anything on Twitter, we'll definitely get to it. Of course, you can listen to our podcast, which we are recording for podcast purposes. This is about 40 minutes, so apologize. But uh, had a lot to digest today, Don. It's been a while since we've done one of these deals. We'll try and do this for Facebook Live and then, of course, uh, in the podcast. So if you're not able to obviously watch the whole video, you can listen to it at the gym or something else. You can listen to me and Don. You don't have to see us, which Don appreciates that a little bit more than I do. Um Biggest question here from Daniel. What's the expectation from DeAndre Smith as a running back coach? Certainly has a lot of talent, I would think. I got to do my homework. I apologize. I yeah. haven't. Uh, uh, I got. I haven't sat down and carved out time to go look at all these guys' bios. I, I, I will say this. I, th- I think. Um, I think. These coaches, I, th- I think Matt Wells and these coaches will put a bigger priority on running the football effectively than any other coach in the last 20 years of Texas Tech football, not named Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville made a priority. I mean, he came from the SEC mm-hmm. where you run the football. Cliff really wanted to run the yeah. football more effectively, and I think he made it a priority. Uh, over the last year or two, but it didn't happen. You know, it looked like it was going to happen this year. The first four games, yep. somebody had a good run. You know, one, some running back had a good game yep. for the first month every week. Ward did against Ole Miss. Henry did against mm-hmm. Houston. Um, Demarcus yeah. Felton had one against Oklahoma State. Marcus Felton against Oklahoma State, and then after, but then after Oklahoma State, and he just kind of fizzled out. It, it, completely fizzled out. Uh, again, knowing, going back to David Yost's background at Missouri, they ran the, they were able to uh, do a good job about being effective both at the run with a strong passing game as well. And so David Yost's background suggests that uh, he really expects to run the football well. And you heard Matt Wells say it on Saturday. He said, you got to be able to, to win games in this conference. you got to be able to run the football in November. Um, and so he is going to uh, make it a high priority. And like I say, I think from David Yost's background, um, he has been part of offenses where they 
both threw the football effectively, but also ran effectively, had that balance that uh, people talk about. So I think the expectation is going to be pretty high for this team to run the ball effectively. Now, the trick is going to be you're going to be doing it with a lot of the same personnel that didn't run the ball effectively this year. Yeah. You know, four of your offensive line starters are back and mm-hmm. five of your top six yep. offensive linemen are back. And you're going to have back Daly on Ward. Mm-hmm. And Dejon Henry. Dejon Henry. Um, you have your quarterback basically, Alan Bowman basically, coming back. <laughs> yeah, basically you lose uh, Demarcus Felton, mm-hmm. who was a senior. But these are the same guys who didn't run the, who didn't run the football very well this year and didn't get blocked. Didn't have any running lanes to run through. So, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. They're they're gonna prioritize it, but Correct. prioritizing it. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury prioritized it, prioritizing it, and actually making it happen. Going to be two different things, and it also could be two different concepts. And this will be the last question because we have one more from Dave that has a question about uh, salaries. But I think we may see it uh, attacked in a different sense, where Cliff Kingsbury kind of used different modes of uh, or different formations, where you kind of have some jet sweeps to a running back. Sometimes you have read option. This one, like you had alluded to earlier on, David Yost is going to use an eleven man personnel so you will have a tight end in this formation you're going to have that extra guy on the offensive line so you will have that advantage if you do call the correct play against the defense and I think that might be the difference is you have that one extra guy being that tight end and number two well we see a difference uh, with the coaching with uh, Steve Farmer who's going to be the offensive line coach he was mentioned uh, official today from the old uh, Texas Tech uh, football uh, Twitter. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Dave has two questions. Now he got one in. Like I said, appreciate y'all and the conversation. You can obviously put these here during our Facebook lives. We do these on Wednesday. We may change the day depending on uh, whenever me and Don aren't busy because we're pretty dang busy at this point of the year. But uh, he wants to know, based on the results of the last six years, do you believe Tech will try to start to pay salaries on par with programs like Oklahoma, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, TCU, etc.? So I'm guessing he's talking about the Big 12. And if you want to kind of branch out a little bit, maybe nationally. I, I expect it to go up. I don't, I don't know that uh, if you're talking about Oklahoma, Texas level, no, I don't, I don't expect that. You still have to work within – you know, a reasonable, bu- a reasonable budget, and you're also talking about an athletic department that still that has a ton of debt that it's trying to uh, Pay work it its way through. Um, you're still talking about debt service of uh, 11 million dollars annually to pay for all the facilities, projects that mm-hmm. you've built over these last 15, 20 years. A couple that are coming up too. And, and more yeah. coming up. You're right. You also have, uh, you know, buyouts to pay. I mean, you owe Cliff Kingsbury now $4 million yep. over the next two years for his buyout. And so while I think you will go up, I don't think it's going to go up dramatically. And I think the, then the, I think the other question then that you ask yourself is, um, do you continue to pay – the same number of guy, the same number of people, and pay them a little. The same number of positions. You can send mm. to fund the same number of positions at a little higher cost. And support or staff. Or do you? That's what I was going to get to. Yeah. Or you do you broaden your staff and add these things like analysts and recruiting and recruiting help. people and all, and all those sorts of things. Do you add a bunch more personnel? And if you do that, then. You're spreading more money over more positions, and yeah. 
you don't pay individual people that much more. Yeah, which obviously that's the not. not that's, what, that's what has to be decided. And here's the thing. Cliff Kingsbury, when I asked Cliff about this a year or so ago, he did not. Uh, he said they did not feel disadvantaged in by the number of people that he had on staff and support mm-hmm. staff that he had working behind the scenes. Now, was that just Cliff Cliff being diplomatic about it? Did he feel the opposite? I don't know. But he, he did not make a big stink about uh, not having as many uh, many people working behind the scenes mm-hmm. as you know programs like Alabama do. Yeah. Last question. Anything on the strength and conditioning program? Dave Schultz, obviously the strength and condi- or the coach that they did hire today. Yeah, the Utah State coach, uh, Utah State strength and conditioning coach comes here. And I think the expectation is then that he will bring, uh, based on the comments the Utah State athletic director made to the media up there in Logan last week, he indicated that he thought that Dave Schultz would bring along one or two others from that. Yeah. Utah State strength and conditioning staff. And so um, I am kind of interested to see, kind of to ask Matt Wells when we get to visit with him. Um, he made the comment that he thought he was, obviously he's a real big believer in their strength and conditioning program. And yep. I remember him saying something that he thought the strength and conditioning program was kind of unique and cutting edge. and. Mm-hmm. Kind of imply that they do some things that that are maybe, different. That are different. Yeah. yeah. That not a whole lot of maybe not a whole lot of other programs do. So I'll be interested to kind of find out what he what he meant by that and get him to elaborate on that. Well, fifty minutes. Uh, looks like we found out a little bit about the Texas Tech football search. Obviously, they hired Matt Wells to be their new Texas Tech uh, head football coach. He's got a six year deal. You can check out all the information from LubbockOnline.com, RedRaiders.com. The Don will certainly be and still writing about this uh, new staff and then of course all the new hirings as well just did something right now that's on lubbockonline.com uh, right before we did this facebook live appreciate all the work don obviously you're uh, a little bit less busy now as well as i so it's kind of nice i got a nice you got a basketball game though i do i'm sure chris beard will be okay with it if i'm late but uh superhero night of course 6 30 or if you're not able to be there, Fox Sports Southwest Plus. It'll be at United Supermarkets Arena. You can check that out. And then, of course, uh, Texas Tech uh, football going to be preparing for a game against Montana State next season. So to open it up. Is yep. it August 30th? I can't remember. I, I believe okay, it's I August 31st. I was thinking August 31st. but I can double-check that before we sign out. But, yeah, appreciate the time, the work, and the effort, Don. Of course, like I said, you can check out everything. August the 31st, of course, the time's TBA, but more than likely it may be an early game. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. Of course, LubbockOnline.com, RedRaiders.com. You can get all that information. And, of course, if you have any questions uh, after this, you can follow Don on the Twitters at AJ underscore Don Williams. He'll uh, talk about his top 25. He'll do whatever you'd like in terms of uh, what you ask. I know a lot of people are asking uh, which hair would you prefer, David Yost or uh, Cliff Kingsbury, or how much gel you would like to use for either one. You have any David, answers to that to David Collier? David Collier over KMAC 28 is. Uh, he enjoys being, himself being a too smart much. aleck. He, well, that, that, 
It's a very but, PG, but, but PG I, word. But PG I word. Too. PG guy. word. You should watch a sportscast. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to mess with his head now. But, again, appreciate y'all watching. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. That's Don Williams, longtime uh, sports reporter here that has covered Texas Tech for 30-plus years. He'll be continuing to do that for us and the newspaper. We appreciate y'all watching. We'll talk to you next week.